Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. So this this idea of the wildlife, <laughs> uh, we see we all want to know what it is to live in freedom. Do you want to know what it is, what freedom lives looks like? Is anyone? Yeah. <laughs> but then the question alongside of that is, what does true freedom look like? And Paul offers us this insight. Paul, uh, who was this. Uh, guy who was breathing out, breathing out murderous threats against the um, early uh, Christians, people of the way, people who are following Jesus. He becomes a follower of Jesus and he plants these churches all around the region uh, through the Roman Empire. And he writes to a number of churches. In one of these churches called Galatia, in the city of Galatia, uh, he writes to them uh, and he says this. And we're going to be sitting in the same text. You can go and read this uh, again. But this is Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbour as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, that is just being so drunk that you don't know what you're doing, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions and factions. Dissensions are not coming under authority, might be a good way to put that. Uh, and verse 21, envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, uh, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Last week we heard a great testimony from Donna who spoke about her journey through forgiveness out of the encounter of God and the nature of love. Uh, what love looks like and how that is expressed. So we, talk, we can have a lot of words that we use, you know, well we can have a lot of words that we use in the church and yet we rarely let them grow. We can have a lot of words or ideas or philosophies that we might even be familiar with concepts that we might explore and yet we rarely let them grow and we can have a whole lot of reasons why they don't grow and often those reasons are about what other people have done to us or how we've felt or our past experiences and yet if we come into a relationship with Jesus he has done and is doing a new work in us and he wants something new to grow within us and be expressed in the way that we live our lives and so this week we're unpacking this idea of joy now, joy uh, can be a little bit intangible and difficult to comprehend, I suppose, because um, it, it can be held in tension or as an opposite or not quite the same as being happy. And yet there's a re very real sense for me as I explore this and unpack this that you kind of can't have joy without being happy. 
You need to start somewhere. So if you're struggling with what joy is, uh, it's something that needs to start in understanding what happiness is and participating in some kind of happiness. I asked a, a couple of word scholars this week to distinguish between happiness and joy for me. Uh, and the response was that happiness is short-term, while joy is a continued and high level of happiness. It goes to reason, I think, if you want to be a person of joy, you want to start at being happy. And the image that I have is that um, it's like beginning to dig a hole in the ground, if you like, and if you're searching for water, if you're searching for to be refreshed, and renewed and so you spend your time digging through the dry earth the hard earth getting through there and you're looking for water and slowly and surely the hole's getting deep and you're wondering if anything ever is going to come and you just get this slow trickle start to come through now you can stop at the slow trickle if you like you don't have to keep digging the hole but if you want to know a constant supply of water a constant supply of joy if you like you have to dig down a little bit deeper and that was, that was an image that I had to try and understand and unpack what the difference or the tension or the expression of joy and happiness. And for me, joy might start a, like a slow trickle, but it becomes a deep well as we press into Jesus. And this is the important thing to consider as we go through this wildlife. We, if we want to plant something, we need to plant it and let it be planted and secured and fertilized and nurtured in our relationship with Jesus. It's not going to grow apart from Jesus. Richard Raw, uh, philosopher and theologian, uh, has said that Christianity is a lifestyle, a way of being in the world that is simple, that is non-violent, that is shared and loving. However, we have made it an established religion and all that goes with that and avoided the lifestyle change itself. One could be work-like, greedy, racist, selfish and vain in most of the Christian history and still believe that Jesus is one's personal Lord and Saviour. The world has no time for such silliness anymore. The suffering on earth is too great. We can use the words. We can even declare that Jesus is our personal Lord and Saviour but there needs to be a change that takes place within us. And much of that is dependent upon what we plant or have planted within us. Um, our girls uh, last week went to the Vance Joy concert. Is anyone a fan of Vance Joy? Does anyone here know who Vance Joy is? Some people are, am I allowed to be a fan of Vance Joy? I don't know. Yes, you can. Um, uh, so they went to Vance Joy and there's a sense of excitement. Now, if you ever sat around my table, there's times that in our house around the dinner table and even just with two daughters in our house, like we can sit at the dinner table and Andrea and I can not say a thing for half an hour um, because it's just backwards and forwards. It's boof, boof. Sometimes it's frustration and sometimes it's explosions of happiness and laughter and sometimes it's frustration at each other and sometimes it's frustration at other people and never frustration at their parents. But... Um, <laughs> Um, but you can just, this whole banter, and when the, all four of them get together, you just kind of steal yourself for this ride that you're going to be on over the meal table. And it's just constant, and it's bang all over the place, and there's fireworks, and there's all sorts of stuff. There's laughing, and there's excitement, and I can imagine that would have been absolutely crazy for our girls. They went to Vance Joy. The, the excitement would have been mounting as they 
went down to Melbourne. Uh, Lily and Ruby uh, caught the, the train and the bus there. So when they met May and Grace, that would have been like, people would have stopped at the Southern Cross and at the station and wonder what was going on with it. They would have been jumping and squealing and hugging and laughing at each other and telling each other how gorgeous they are. And um, they went out for tea and I think May's boyfriend Jack was there and a couple of other people as well. And they make their way to the concert. Remember it's Vance Joy, which is ironic, okay? Uh, Vance Joy, you're with me, you've got this so far. Um, So... Uh, they're, they're enjoying each other's company and before Vance Joy had even stepped foot onto the platform, this woman in front of our girls and those that they're at the concert with turned around and asked them to be quiet. That's one description. How rude. Yeah. Uh, so I, I felt like they were at the wrong place, certainly. Now, my girls, in all their love and grace, I'm sure they quieten down a little bit. No, that just would have been an invitation just to lift it up just a little bit more would be my suspicion. Throughout the Vance Joy concert, Jack uh, was singing along. Now, Jack may or may not know all the words. I'll be honest. He likes to have a good time. And I suspect that because the woman in front of him may not have been having as good a time as they were. That may have egged Jack on a little bit. So Jack's singing along in the way that Jack could sing along. I'm sure my girls were singing along as well. And the woman again turns around and says, can you please sing quieter? Now I would feel like if you're going to a concert and you don't enjoy being at a live concert, maybe you actually want to wait until the album comes out. So we discover, don't we, that our circumstances which make us happy often don't last. The things that we anticipate, the things that we look forward to can often change and sometimes we don't know how. We discover the, the happiness of participating in a wedding ceremony. All the excitement and enthusiasm and stresses that go with that and the party that happens and then sometime down the track we realise actually... He puts the toilet roll on the wrong way. And she squeezes the toothpaste from the wrong place. And we discover that happiness has kind of shifted a little bit for us. What happened? We don't feel happy anymore. We start a job or we change a job or we take up a new course or we take on a new initiative and we're really excited about it. We have this sense of happiness. We feel happy because it's something that we've been looking forward to or struggling with as we make a decision. And then as we get into that, we we discover it's not what we expected. The grind is the same, perhaps, as it was in the last place. We no longer feel happy. What happened? We plan and we anticipate and we get excited at the birth of our children and We're overwhelmed by it and we uh, look forward to it and then we go through labour and we never want any children ever again Um, and then we look at them and they're all cute and cuddly and snuggly and trusting you and then six months down the track we're absolutely exhausted, constantly interrupted sleep and we no longer feel happy. 
What happened? We offer to serve. We offer to contribute to something. We get excited about the opportunity. We have something new that we've never done before, something we've, we've perhaps got some skills in or we're learning a new skill or we're getting alongside other people and we're trying to teach them a new skill and they don't receive it in the way that we anticipated and, and so we kind of withdraw and we no longer feel happy about the opportunity to serve. What happened? Circumstances changed. And we often allow circumstances to determine how we respond. As a child, I remember hearing this statement. Does anyone remember hearing this? In the sun- oh, this was big in us, for us in Sunday school. Uh, joy is found in putting Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. Now, don't hear me wrong, I think there's some truth in this. Absolutely, there's a, there's a nature where we need to surrender to Jesus. And surrendering re- to Jesus requires that um, we do serve others. And sometimes and often, actually, when we'd rather not serve others, <laughs> when we have to go out of the way and do an extra mile. So I, I think there, there is some truth about this. Um, it's all God-given and there's a jesus model lifestyle. But I also think this has barely made the church a movement that has revolutionised our nation. See, I think we can, we can be seen as... Uh, or people who follow Jesus, or Christians, or church people, if you want to, depends on your religion and language and how you view the world. And, you know, maybe you're new in church today. Maybe you're saying, yeah, just religious people, they're miserable or they're too serious all the time. That's a bit sad that we can be seen like that. Or maybe we're just disengaged and actually Christians are just caught up in everything else that the world is caught up in. So what, what's unique about us that we have to offer? And then I thought about this for myself and I wondered what prevents me from experiencing a deep-seated joy? What prevents that seed that's been planted within me? Because I would argue that Christ has planted the seed within us, God has planted the seed of joy within us that he wants to bring to life from the moment he breathed life into us. It's something that he has given to us even before we confess Jesus Christ our Lord and Saviour. But there are things and experiences that can prevent me from experiencing a deep seed of joy. So for me, I know I can, I can take things too personally. Words that are, are directed or people say things as a joke or people give an opinion about things that I don't think necessarily are theirs to give an opinion about or things that I think that I can't give the same opinion back to them. Um, that I, I can take that too personally. I know that uh, I put a lot of pressure on myself to get everything right. There's this grain within me that's called perfectionism. It's a constant undoing of my spirit and um, I hate getting things wrong. It's like when I send out an email, you know, I'll read an email six times um, and I'll look through the mistakes and then when I actually receive the email that I send to everyone, because I generally send myself the email, I see a mistake within the first 10 seconds of reading it. And often it's at the starting line when I'm meant to say hello, I say hell. So, um, yeah. But I carry a lot of responsibility too that's often not mine to carry. And discerning that, and I know that the sense of um, responsibility uh, about church life at times can be overwhelming and, and tiring and energy draining. 
and a sense of um, in, inspiring people to, to serve and fill gaps and whatever the challenges might be there. I can carry the responsibility, it's not mine to carry. Now, I don't say that, I don't say that to set myself up or to look for a pity party, but to ask you. What prevents you from being a person of joy in the knowledge that you are loved by God? What circumstances, choices or words that have been spoken over you at any time have robbed you of joy, of knowing a deep-seated, life-giving, transforming joy? What is it that you haven't been willing to bring to Jesus, as Jared spoke about, that robs you? What is it that you haven't dealt with that might rob you of that joy? So the good news, though, is that in Jesus, and in knowing Jesus, there is this promise of an outworking, uh, an expression of joy. It's not false because I remember as a, you, some of you remember this, remember um, the old gospel services and the old song, Joy is the Flag Flown High? Do you remember getting your hankies out for that? Does anyone get the hankies out for that? Come on, Church of Christ people! Surely you did. Did anyone get the keys out? You remember, we, get, we got the keys out, didn't we? Yeah. Joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart, from the castle of my heart, from the castle. That's enough. Because um, it still makes me cringe now. But what is it that goes beyond the song that we sing or once knew? And what is it that actually means that this is something that's been planted deep within my soul and I will allow Jesus to nurture and feed and I will hold on to it regardless of the circumstances that I encounter? There is good news because in Jesus there is an expression that is joy. But I guess the question that we have is what does it look like? So I went looking for what it looks like and I don't, I don't want to profess that this is by any means an exhaustive list. And I'm not going to spend probably a great deal of time. It's probably we could unpack them all and find more. But I hope that it might inspire conversation for you in your homes. I hope that it might inspire conversation in your marriages, I hope that it might inspire a conversation in your life groups with your friends. What does joy look like? How do they experience joy? And you might be able to talk about Jesus as your joy and your hope and how that's expressed in you. So I'd like to suggest and encourage us to consider as joy is a promise and an invitation. In John chapter 6, uh, verses 20 to 22, Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. So there's a reality about grief here. There's a reality about struggle. There's a reality about hardship. In this, this, is, in this context, this is about Jesus declaring that uh, he knows his death is coming. And he knows there's going to be a group of people who are sad for that. And I think we can understand that. We all understand this sense of grief and sadness and hardship and struggle. There's a reality about it. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when a baby is born, she forgets the anguish. Oh, boy, does she forget the anguish. 
because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. Joy, my friends, is a promise and an invitation to participate in something not yet realised, but a promise to walk in now. Joy is a relationship in John chapter 15. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you. And the joy of Jesus is about the relationship that he shares with the Father and it's the same invitation that you have to participate in a relationship with a loving, full, perfect, heavenly Father who wants you to experience everything that he has in store for you. In 1 Thessalonians, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Why have I not written? That's not 1 Thessalonians at all. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes is it not you? Indeed, you are glory. You are our glory and our joy. Paul's writing to the church in Thessalonica and saying, you, you, those that we've invested in, those that we've loved, those that we've cried with, those that we've celebrated with, those that we've told the good news of Jesus, you are our glory and our joy. So I want to say to you that joy is a promise and an invitation and joy is a relationship. How are you going so far? Joy is participating in God's kingdom and in the rule of God's kingdom. In Luke chapter 10, the 72 returned with joy. Where they returned from? Jesus had given them all power and authority to go throughout the region, go out through, all through the district and cast out demons to heal the sick and proclaim the kingdom of God. They went and did that and they were blown away, something they'd never done before, something they never knew about until they encountered Jesus. And they returned and said, man, this was, this was incredible. Even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus replies, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, however, you need to pay attention when Jesus says however. Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you are pleased to, uh, pleased to do. So many people will say, I don't know enough. I don't understand scriptures enough. And in Jesus, all that falls away. Because the things of Jesus that are revealed, not to people who have done all the study, not for people who can say they've got all the head knowledge and all the memory and every verse and chapter recording their heads, but the things of Jesus are revealed in it as we live it out. So joy is a promise or an invitation. Joy is a relationship. Joy is participating in God's kingdom. Joy, I think, is also indescribable. I felt like this needed to be included in Luke 24, 41. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, like there was something here that said, wow, but 
there was something here that was indescribable. And that's okay. But that didn't prevent them from stepping into a relationship with Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, you got anything to eat? <laughs> and maybe that comes back to the nature of a relationship. And I want to finally say, joy is a revolution. In Acts chapter 13, uh, the word of the Lord spread through the whole region, but the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and leading the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So the disciples didn't have their joy taken away because of the rejection of a group of people. And they kept pursuing the heart of the Father. They didn't allow the circumstances to determine how they would respond, but instead they remained open to what the Father wanted to do and they stepped into that promise. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. See, joy goes against everything that society or community might want to put in front of us or the circumstances. Joy is a revolution. Now, maybe you think that your life doesn't allow you to be daring or wild. You know, after all, you know, your life is just flat out busy looking after the kids. You're too tired, you know, between work and, and expectations and looking after kids or, you know, you know, retirement where you had all the time in the world and all of a sudden you discover in retirement that you don't have all the time in the world. Um, maybe you're thinking you're not, your life doesn't allow you to be daring or wild. I want to suggest if you're in that place, then you're the perfect candidate to live a wild life, to have your life transformed by following Jesus. So the fruit of Jesus is something that is planted within us and it can look like nothing is happening. See, I believe God can operate in the miraculous and the immediate, but I also believe that God is patient, not wanting any one of us to perish or miss out on the plans and the purposes that he has for us. See, in our society, we operate so much in switches. You walk in a room, you flick something, you want it on. You pick up your phone, you press something, you want it on. You want it all immediately. What if Jesus has planted something within you and there are things happening in darkness that you are not aware of? That when they are planted and given time and nurtured, and by nurturing I mean you putting yourself, me putting ourself, myself, us putting ourselves under the authority and in the place of knowing Jesus, encountering Jesus, waiting on Jesus, being quiet before Jesus, being patient for God to do his work in us. And then that fills and overflows. Because when a seed is planted, there's stuff happening in the soil, isn't there? Stuff we can't see. But there's got to be stuff happening in the dark places before the life bursts forth. And if you think you're not the kind of candidate that can live a, live a wild life, maybe there's stuff that's been planted in the dark places and I want to encourage you to be patient and wait on the Lord because the joy is coming. Dallas Willard said, The gospel is less about how to get into the kingdom of heaven after you die and more about how to live in the kingdom of heaven before you die. Wouldn't we like that? 
See, when we remain in Jesus, when we set aside time to be with Jesus, we see and live in this world from the rule of his kingdom, not just as a distant afterlife one day we'll get to, but we're a part of seeing this world restored and made whole. Maybe today is the day where you want to declare Jesus as Lord and start nurturing that seed that has already been planted within you. Because if you, even if you don't know Jesus, even if you've never encountered Jesus, he's already planted something within you. You know how I know that? Because you're sitting here today. Because you're looking for something, you're searching for something. Jesus is that something. Maybe you're looking for healing today and you're, you're frustrated and you're overwhelmed or, uh, or maybe you thought about coming forward last week and you didn't make it forward because there's a whole lot of things that prevented you from doing that. Friends, maybe today could be the day where you step into a relationship with a good, good father and you discover and you know and you claim the truth that is yours to claim and an invitation for you to claim that you are his child and that you're loved by him.